Welcome to the fifth episode of the Data Spot podcast. GDP. This three-letter acronym is one of the most popular and widely tracked economic metric. Every quarter, when NSO releases the GDP data for India, reams of column space is dedicated to dissecting what the data tells us about the state of the economy. This metric has become the barometer for any economy. If the GDP is high, the economy is doing good. and if the gdp is low then there is something wrong but beyond this not do we really appreciate what the gdp data tells us more importantly what it does not tell us do we overinterpret the data this and more is what we discuss in this and the subsequent episode so let's get started let me take you back to 1929 when the world faced the great depression the period from 1929 to 1933 was terrible for the global economy more so because it came after the roaring 20s it was in 1934 that the first official estimates of gnp a cousin of gdp for the us economy were made the person responsible for making those estimates was a guy called simon kuznets now Kuznets is an interesting character. Kuznets was a mathematician, statistician and an economist. He was born in Russia, current day Belarus, studied at Kharkiv, which is now in Ukraine, and then emigrated to the US to complete his PhD. He worked at the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, which is the official agency for dating recessions in the US. Yes there is an agency which declares the start of a recession in the US as well as decides when the recession has ended based on a well documented and data driven process of course so gdp or gnp as a gauge of how an economy is performing is a relatively new concept it is less than 100 years old indeed it was not until the early 90s that the US adopted gdp as the primary metric hitherto they were using gnp So what is the difference between GDP and GNP we will get to it later in this episode Now you would be aware that there is a lot of debate over appropriateness of GDP as the single barometer for an economy GDP after all measures how prosperous a country might be getting but it does not measure how happy or healthy its people are it does not account for how the country is getting more prosperous whether for example it is getting prosperous by having sustainable policies or whether it is becoming prosperous by rapidly using up its natural endowments like forests and rivers these are valid concerns over the limitations of the gdp as a metric simon kuznets had himself warned that gdp should not be used as a measure for public welfare but let us sidestep this philosophical debate this is not a philosophy podcast so let us look at and understand the concept of gdp from an economic prism dwiti our resident economist will help us understand it better over to you dwiti thanks swapnil so let us begin with the question what is gdp gdp stands for gross domestic product almost everyone knows the formula for calculating gdp it is c plus i plus g plus x minus n I suspect this is the most famous formula in the world of finance and economics. 
This is known as the expenditure approach for calculating GDP. There is also another approach for calculating GDP. It is the value-added approach. This involves adding up the value added by each sector in the economy. Now globally, the expenditure approach is how GDP is generally reported. However, historically in India, it was always the GVA approach that was preferred for estimating GDP. This was partly due to better quality of data available for estimating GDP using the GVA approach. But with the new series of national accounts with 2011-12 as the base year, the NSO has now shifted to using the expenditure approach for calculating GDP. It still also publishes the GVA data. Now in theory, both these approaches should give you the same results. But in real world, the two approaches can yield very different results, especially when considering the GDP growth rather than the level of GDP. For instance, for the year ending March 2016, the real GDP growth as per both approaches was same at 8%. But in the year ending March 2019, the real GDP growth as per value-added approach was 5.8%, while as per the expenditure approach was 6.5%. And the year of the pandemic, the value-added approach implied that GDP had declined 4.8%, while the expenditure approach implied that GDP had declined 6.5%. Now you might be wondering, why does this divergence occur? Let us take a simple example to find out this divergence. Imagine there is a baker in town and she needs some inputs to make a cake. Let us assume she buys wheat worth rupees 100 from a farmer. Let us assume she has a worker whom she pays 30 rupees and she sells the cake for 150 rupees, making a profit of 20 rupees. Let us also assume that the farmer has used his own labor to grow the wheat crop. He has not used any labor nor purchased any fertilizer or seeds. So the entire 100 rupees that the baker pays him is his return for the labor he has put in to grow the crop. Let us also assume that the employee who earns the wage of rupees 30 does not spend this on anything. Assuming these are the only transactions taking place in the entire town, what will be the GDP of this hypothetical town? The answer is simple, 150 rupees, because the town saw consumption that is the purchase of a cake of 150 rupees. There is no investment, no exports, no imports. Now, what will be the GVA of this term? The answer again is 150 rupees. This is the sum of the value added by all different businesses in the town. The value added by farmer is 100 rupees and the value added by baker is 50 rupees. Well, there is also another approach called the income approach where the income of all agents are summed up in the economy. In the first example, the baker earned a profit of 20 rupees, the worker earned wage of 30 rupees, and the farmer earned 100 rupees. This also adds up to 150. But this method is not widely used anywhere in the world due to the lack of income data. So in this podcast, we'll just focus on the earlier two approaches. Now let's go back to the baker example. Let us assume that in the subsequent period, the government imposes a sales tax of rupees 10 on the cake. In this case, the selling price of the cake will increase from 150 rupees to 160, which is what the consumer will pay to the baker. The baker in turn will pay this 10 rupees to the government 
and her net proceeds will be 150 rupees. So in this scenario, the consumption will have increased to 160 rupees since this is the price the consumer pays. So as per this example, the GDP under expenditure approach will be 160 rupees. However, the value added by baker or the farmer has not changed. So the GDP as per both the approaches here diverges. The other way in which two approaches can diverge is also if there is a subsidy involved. In the case of subsidy, the market price that the consumer pays is lower than the value added by producer. So the GDP as per expenditure approach will be lower than the GDP as per the value added approach. Conceptually, there is a difference between the two approaches. The difference is the net indirect taxes. The difference between indirect taxes levied and the subsidy provided. If the net indirect taxes is a positive number, as in most cases it is, the GDP as per expenditure approach will be higher than the value added approach. And if the net indirect taxes are negative, that is there is more subsidy provided than indirect taxes, then GDP as per expenditure approach is lower than the GDP as per the value added approach. Now let us go back to Swapnil for some more insights on this topic. Thanks Dwiti. Now in reality, the GDP number calculated by the NSO under the two approaches differs by more than the amount of net indirect access. This is due to issues in the availability of data, estimation assumptions, etc. And hence, the NSO introduces a balancing term called statistical discrepancies. Now, because the general assumption is that the GDP calculated through the value-added approach is more accurate than the GDP calculated under expenditure approach, this statistical discrepancy field is applied to the expenditure approach. In the financial year 2021-22, for instance, the statistical discrepancy was rupees 2,200 billion, which was 1.5% of GDP. In the year prior, it was 1.8% of GDP, and in FY20, it was 2.7% of GDP. In the last decade, the statistical discrepancy was the highest in the year FY18, when it was 3.4% of GDP and it was lowest in FY14 when it was minus 0.3% of GDP. We will discuss some of these issues that give rise to statistical discrepancy in the next episode. There are two small things to discuss before we close this episode. Have you wondered what does the gross in GDP or GVA mean? The gross in GDP or GVA means that the values calculated are before adjusting or making allowance of consumption of capital or depreciation. So, if you reduce depreciation of all plants and machinery and buildings in the economy from the GDP, you will get net domestic product or the NDP. And if you reduce it from GVA, you will get net value added or the NVA. But NDP or NVA are not commonly used. And lastly, if you recollect when we discussed about Simon Kuznets, we said that the US shifted to using GDP only in the 1990s and prior to that GNP was the indicator that was used. The only difference between the two seems to be to replace domestic with national. What difference does that make? What the word domestic in GDP mean is that 
the calculations are done taken the geographical boundary of the country in mind so only transactions like consumption or investments that happen within india for example are considered irrespective of who does those transactions whereas when we talk about gross national product or gnp we consider transactions done by indians irrespective of where they are located and exclude transactions done by non indians even if they are located in india so for example if an indian company has a manufacturing plant in say thailand then the gnp approach will include the production of that plant in india's gnp calculations and thailand will exclude the output of that plant in the calculation of its own gnp but if we consider gdp then india will not include the output of that thai plant in its gdp calculations and it will be thailand which will include that in its gdp calculations oh i know this could be a bit daunting but you know what you can listen to this episode on loop just fyi to sum up the process of calculating in three different approaches i would say that these forms are circular in nature it begins with production entities use capital and labor to produce goods and services some of all intermediate value additional processes then give us gdp this production process generates incomes for different agents involved whose total also gives us gdp households use that income to buy goods and services and entrepreneurs use it to invest in fixed assets whose values when combined will also give us gdp therefore one can use any approach to calculate gdp and these values will be identical it is nothing but an arithmetical representation of total operations of the economy at the levels of three basic economic functions namely production distribution and disposition in the next episode we will try to understand gdp much better and deeper something that will make us familiarize this concept for the purpose of analyzing and taking investment related decisions and that concludes this episode i hope you liked it your host today were swapnil and riti if you did like this episode please subscribe and share this with others who you think might be interested if you have any feedback or suggestions as to what topics we should cover do drop us a line at podcast@indiadatahub.com see you next week this is ashutosh the co-founder of india data hub signing out